0: Welcome back to Coaches on the Beach, and today we have Jalen Vischer joining us, who is the new USF beach volleyball coach. Her and Pri are going to be starting a program down at USF, and we get to hear a little bit about that towards the end of this episode. Also, at the end of this episode, we give a little sneak peek into uh, an upcoming episode that will be very special to uh, your Coaches on the Beach co-hosts. Hope you enjoy this one, and we'll we'll see you next week.
1: I'm great. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing good. Doing good. So Jay, I hear you are a listener of Coaches on the Beach, and you like our show. And we've had a lot of different intros and different ways to start this show. Um, one being David Fisher and him playing piano.
1: That was my favorite episode, Ooh, which nice we could have, we could have expected. Was a good David. He's just such a captivating person. So I did um, a clinic with David. I mean, a bunch of people did the clinic, but it was a clinic in Virginia Beach. And he, we all kind of, it was like a structured clinic where everyone kind of did like one coach demoed and then we all went to separate courts and kind of ran the drill that that coach just demoed. And for his demo, he he told this elaborate in-depth story about, I can't even remember their name. Colin would probably remember, but Essentially, it was like one player for this drill couldn't move, they could only hop with two feet together to get around the court. And then the other player had to like do absolutely everything. And it was based on this like old man he used to play with in Santa Monica. Um, So one half of the net had to do that. And then the other half of the net was like doing Swedish jump setting the whole time. And you know it was so ugly on the lower courts and even on the higher courts it was really ugly but i feel like there was a lot of good lessons there for everyone and his you know it was a long clinic and i think at the end of it the fact that he went towards the end like he had such a captivating explanation and a way to teach the drill it was just it was just awesome so i was looking forward to that episode for sure that's awesome that's awesome and
0: then going back into your playing days You started out playing indoor in Canada and then you went through a recruiting process up there. Does it differ any from the U.S. to Canadian recruiting processes for
1: universities or colleges? Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it is. I think Canada's trending to be more um, similar to the NCAA in terms of recruiting processes. My recruiting process was very different. So I was like a super nerd in high school, all the AP classes, you know, that whole jazz. Um, I was intending to go to the University of Alberta to do engineering, which is like one of the best engineering programs in the country. Um, But the University of Alberta, their women's volleyball team is like a multi-time like dynasty national championship team that was coached for a long time by Lori Eisler, who's now retired. So I was like, oh yeah, no shot, I'll I'll make that team. I'll just, you know, this will be the end of my volleyball career. My senior year of high school would be the end and then I'll pursue academics. And then I got to our, I think it was club national championship in like May of my senior year. And I was so sad. And I, I had probably, the identity crisis that I think a lot of people have post college athletics where it's like what am I now that I'm not an athlete um, except instead of experiencing that at you know 23 I experienced it at like I was 17 at the time um, when I graduated high school so I was 17 going through this like massive identity crisis like what am I without sports and yeah so it was May and then June of my senior year I, I don't, I don't know how much people know about Canada. It's essentially, there's like a few big cities. There's like seven or eight big cities and those house, like all the universities, there's not kind of like these smaller areas that have them quite as much as there is in the States. So in um, my hometown or like, my hometown's just North of Edmonton, which is a big city in Canada. Um, So there's a lot of colleges in that town that were kind of, um, the next level down, I I guess there's three tiers of volleyball in Canada. So you have U sport, then you have CCAA. And then I honestly don't even remember what the third one was called. Um, But CCAA had a lot of colleges in the city. So I emailed probably all of them in May and June of my senior year of high school. And, you know, I went to some open gym tryouts, undergrad, um, or biology and chemistry undergrad. And I ended up know because i pivoted and went to the school for volleyball uh i was like yeah totally fine i'll do biology and chemistry that's my undergrad full plans to go to a you know med school which i feel like so many people say at one point in their life they're like yeah i'm gonna go to med school um and i was one of those people (laughs) so that was my my full plan um yeah you too i was the same way i was
0: all about the med school i went pre-med kinesiology route And then all of a sudden I was just like, this is way too much school. I hit organic chemistry and I was done with
1: that. I hear you, Michael, same. And I, I went the whole way. I did the MCAT like prep course. I wrote my practice MCAT and then, um, yeah. Then when I was doing that, um, I had some friends who were, were doing that course with me at the time and they all in their spare time were talking about like. Oh, I read up on this, you know, cool, like new procedure they're doing here. And like, where are you guys interning this summer? Like I'm thinking of this. And I'm like, hmm, I spend my spare time daydreaming about beach volleyball and looking at world tour matches and AVP results and definitely not researching new procedures. So then I, I, you know, had that moment of like, maybe this isn't for me, yeah. um, <laughs> Yeah, med school dream got pushed aside quite quickly. Sorry, Grandma, but
0: yeah. <laughs> so you dove into beach volleyball pretty quickly after your first college season, and then you started playing beach, and then all of a sudden it became a daydream every single day for you. What What was that process like of actually finding the passion for the game, and why was it so appealing to you?
1: Yeah, I played on a great club team growing up, like probably one of the better club teams in the area, and. I so when I got to this university, there was there was me, there was a setter and a middle, and we were the ones who like clearly had kind of that club background, that really strong background. Um, but I think the three of us kind of felt the same in that we didn't have we couldn't impact the game, like between the three of us, we couldn't take over and win matches. And I think when I, you know, dabbled in beach for the first time, I realized like you know, me and my partner, her and I, like if she performs well and I perform well, we have like that full access and full control of a match and, and can win. And then if we perform poorly, like that's going to be directly reflected in the result, um, which is something I really liked. I think it gave me more ownership. Um, so that definitely piqued my interest there. It's also, it's funny. I am um, So I'm from a smaller city north of Edmonton. Edmonton's a big city, people would know. And I went to um, a high school called Paul Kane High School there. And when I was a freshman in high school, which for us in Canada is grade 10, so high school, at least in my area, is grade 10, 11, 12. And there was this grade 12 on the high school team who was just a star volleyball player. Um, and she ended up going to Arizona state in a full ride and ended up becoming an all American. And this was around the time when I was in college, she was at Arizona state and she was also playing on the beach team. Um, and I remember like, I idolized her when I was like in the 10th grade and she came back and it was over Christmas break and we were watching like a local university game and she walked by me and I was like, oh my gosh, it's her. And she said hi to me and I was like. Me? Like, I was like, oh, hey, what's up? It's like, oh, she knows who I am, cool. Um, So then when she got home from college in, in May, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I started playing beach at Arizona State. If you ever wanna play beach here? Like, please let me know, I'd love to. And, you know, she said no at first and then eventually she reached out and we played three summers together and we played every tournament we can find in Western Canada and I mean, we did well, we like at least broke even, you know, so I mean, as much as you can in beach volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a blast like just traveling and training and it was like just us, no coach really for sure. We were locked in as partners cause like who else were we going to play with? So I think we didn't have to deal with that kind of partner swap thing that you hear so much about on the AVP and in the U S. Um, and I think that is kind of really what formed my addiction, if you will, and, and yeah, those three summers definitely were like completely transformative for me um, in terms of falling in love with the game. And then you're going to look to come to the U.S., right? And so like you mentioned, you, you kind of emails
2: everybody mm-hmm. and you get an answer from Jacksonville State. And, <laughs> and you get to go be a game cop. You go down there and you're immediately in the ones, right? So you're, you show up and it's like, Jay, you're the best player we have. And now you're kind of going through that. I guess, similar struggle of what you just talked about with your team at Concordia, right? Where it's like, I can take over this game and actually secure your first dub over Louisiana Monroe.
1: I didn't uh, even remember that. That's a great tidbit.
2: But, you know, you, you kind of go there and you you are able to take over and win your match. And then your team still winds up losing 4-1, right? So now what is that realization like? As you're like, well, I really like this beach thing that I can kind of control and
1: do my own thing. And then
2: I can still kind of, sort of, control it but the rest of my team's gonna be pretty bummed.
1: Yeah. Um well I was actually listening to Joe Kramer's episode um earlier today and her experience at um Notre Dame is probably same same but different to my experience at JSU. Um the coach who was there at the time he promised me that I could do both indoor and beach. When I got there, I learned that because I was on a beach scholarship, I was not eligible to play indoor, which, you know, Canadian, no one's helping me with this. I did not have this information. Um, So that was extremely disappointing because my intention was to go to play both. Um, I quickly realized that that coach at the time was using the beach program as a way to get his team 20 hours for all of spring for his indoor team. So I, I realized that this really wasn't where I needed to be to learn and develop. Um, so after that year, I ended up going back to Canada. And I, I was in touch with like a few really great people, great mentors. And I was, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And then as I'm taking classes, trying to finish my undergrad degree, um, I get an opportunity to coach with. Pandas Volleyball Club, which was my first coaching experience. It's the club that was started by um, Lori Lori Eisler, who's the University of Alberta, former University of Alberta women's coach. And it's just like a coaching legend and icon. Um, I got to work with Jen Telfer and coach on that Pandas Volleyball Club team. And it was a really, it was my first real taste of coaching. And it was a really cool experience that kind of first introduced me to that. I spent the year back home. I actually coached multiple club teams. I, you know, was working towards finishing my undergrad. It's a really long and weird story, but if you want to get into how I got to Stetson, I was essentially at the airport. I landed from my flight. I was waiting for my friend who was on a later flight to come meet me and pick me up, um, and then we were going to drive the hour to wherever our beach tournament was. We flew from Alberta, BC, um, for this tournament, and I'm. Um, I'm waiting for him and I'm so bored that I'm like cleaning out my old emails and I'm going through and I'm deleting them. And I go through and I see all my emails where I emailed every single NCAA beach volleyball coach. And I'm getting this weird feeling in like my gut. It's like, you know, like maybe, maybe I said goodbye too soon. Like should, should I try again? And then I was like, I don't know. I don't want to have the same experience as last time. So this time I was like, okay, I'll email the top 20 schools. If they reply, great. They don't reply. They don't reply. And it is what it is. I emailed the top 20 schools I got replies from a few. Um, I got an email back from Stetson from Christina Hernandez, who's the longtime coach at, for Stetson Beach Volleyball. And she said, hey, we actually just had a girl on a full ride quit two weeks ago. Do you have time for a phone call? And I was like, uh, yeah, I do have time for a phone call. I will make time. I got on the phone with Christina, well actually, so I was going on a hike and Christina is a phenomenal tactical coach. Time zones are not her specialty. So I'm on Pacific time. She's on Eastern time. We were supposed to call at, I insert time. I don't even remember what it was, Um, but I'm like, okay, I'm going on a hike with my friend this day. And then when I get down, I'll have like an hour to shower before this like really important call. Um, I actually told her this story, like my first week on the job when she hired me at Stetson and she was like, I had no idea. Um, (laughs) but I'm on the hike with my friend. We get to the top of the mountain, literally the top. We're admiring the view. We're like taking pictures. My phone rings and it's a Florida number. And I look down, I'm like, I think this might be Christina calling. I think I need to answer this. And we just got to the top. I'm like wheezing. I'm out of breath like trying to play it cool, right? Like this is my, this phone call important. There's a full ride on the table, like, like, hello. <laughs> then you know, we have the conversation while I'm standing at the top of the mountain out of breath. Um, she wants to fly me down for an official, yada, yada, yada. I obviously go. Um, and I ended up going to Stetson for one semester. I had one year of eligibility left, but I had to finish my undergrad and go as a grad student in order for it to work out. NCAA rules, all that jazz. Um, So I overloaded my class schedule um, to finish my undergrad that fall semester. I took so many classes uh, in one semester. I do not know how I survived to this day. And then I went to Stetson um, January 2019 and I picked a good year to go. It was the year that we ended up finishing sixth in the country and we beat USC in the first round of NCAAs. So I, I definitely timed it right and yeah
2: you were a hatter you had uh other former guest, Vince Miranda as your assistant coach um, yes did you had the legend Jordan Dyer uh, on staff I believe as well
1: kind of yeah well Jordan um came back Christina had her second child like right before our season started that year so Jordan came back as like the interim head coach when Christina went on maternity leave and yeah Vince was Vincent was there with me for that whole semester. I remember when I was there on my official visit, he picked me up from the airport and he's like, it's like my second day on the job. So he, I'm like asking him questions. He's like, look at you and answer. He's like, I don't know yet, but we're day two here. And- uh, That's
2: so fun uh, doing that. Uh, so you go to Stetson, you go for a semester and then you're not quite ready to let the beach volleyball dream slash volleyball dreams die. So you're right, you're finishing up college. Med school is apparently gone. Uh, wayward at this point what's your thought process how do you what's your like next step
1: I did not know what a career path would look like I didn't even know that collegiate coaching was an option but I knew I was obsessed with beach volleyball and that I figured if I could make a living that had something to do with this and if I surrounded myself with all of it um, maybe it would just all work out but at the time, I, in 2019, I went and I did Norseka trials for Canada. Um, I ended up being able to go play at Um, So I was kind of like in the independent athlete Team Canada system in that way. And I took a look at moving to Toronto to try and, to try to play for the national team and, and go that route. And I looked at what it Cost to live in Toronto. And that I also, I kind of had in the back of my head that I did want to go to grad school. Um, and there was a grad program at Concordia University, Irvine. That's a master's of coaching and athletic administration grad program. And I was like, well, if it's going to cost me the same to live in Toronto or live in Southern California, I was like, I could go and try and do the national team thing. I don't even know if they'd take me, I don't know if it would work out. And If you know any Canadians, I'm sure if they're not from Toronto, they're not a fan of Toronto, but if they are from Toronto, then that is the heart of Canada in their eyes. Um, So yeah, I ended up applying and getting into grad school at Concordia Irvine. Um, So I moved down there for that. I also got invited to come join Carrie Walsh's P1440 Dev Program. Um, So my plan was to do those two simultaneously. And I moved down in fall 2019 in, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in 2020, there was this little thing that shut the world down. So what was supposed to be a very hands-on like graduate program um, ended up being completely online, but I got to live in Southern California for a few years and play beach volleyball every day, go to grad school, and life was pretty good. And that only kind of really furthered the addiction and the idea that I needed to do something where I got to do this every day. Um, There's a big BBCA event, and they needed people to help set up nets. There were like not enough normal nets there. So I'm like volunteering to help get the poles in, whatever. And this guy is loudly complaining behind me. It's like, oh, one of my coaches bailed for tomorrow for this club event. Like I don't have enough coaches. I need another one. And I like turn around and I've at this point I've like coached like quite a bit of indoor club camps, et cetera. Um, but I hadn't coached a lot of beach volleyball in the states. And I turn around and I was like, i can coach. He's like, yeah, what's your name? And then I, we talk, I like tell him a little bit of our background. He's like, okay, you can coach tomorrow, like be out this time. And I show up and I coach and the girls liked me and he likes me. We got along. Um, and this is Chris Hanneman where Chris, Chris and Ariana Hanneman are now, they're like second parents to me. They're just two of the greatest people I've ever met. Years later, they like, they're like they down again for an event, and I like coach with them again. Um, and they're like, so what are your plans after you graduate? And I say, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm only planning for Monday. I have no idea what my plans are after I graduate. They're like, have you ever thought about coaching the NCAA? And I was like, <laughs> like yeah, that sounds great, but it's never gonna happen. Um, and they were like, what, we know these places are hiring. And so I, you know, they set me up to interview with these places. Um, but my time at Stetson was so special to me and I truly love the little town of Deland, Florida and I, yeah, I just love being a hatter. So during this time I stayed in touch with Christina and she, her and I had talked about like me possibly coming and being, you know, the second assistant out there, um, Eventually, you know, a few months later, she gives me a random call. So her assistant at the time um, was kind of balancing getting practicum hours for her master's degree and um, coaching. And she was like, she's decided it's going to be too much to do both, and she's going to step away. Like the assistant job's yours if you want it. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I like to land sure, um, <laughs> but there's there's a stipulation in that I'm Canadian, so I. I was on what's called an OPT, so after you graduate from your master's degree, you can ha- work for a year in your field, and my field being coaching and athletic administration, um, you know, the job fit fit the bill, um, but after that, you know, expired, after my first semester, I was like, I'm going to need a work visa to stay, um, and, you know, I owe her and Alicia Queely a lot, they, and Stetson a lot, they sponsored my first work visa, so I could, you know, stay at Stetson and keep coaching the Hatters for a couple years.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, I know it was a, about a minute ago now, but, you know, talking about that decision between going to Toronto and LA 2019, right. Good year for Canada beach volleyball, um, right. Sarah Pavan and Melissa Humana-Predes point of winning world camps. So yeah. I'm sure at that time climbing into the national team is like, Oh, great. You know, you've got the McNamara's that have just graduated or tearing up the West coast. And then you're looking at Sarah and Mel. Um, as In terms of partners, you had a, maybe some good picks. Alex Poleto was probably roaming around a little bit. Um, but yeah. she was living in L.A. Right? She was her and Megan Milligan. Uh, and I can't remember Megan's maiden last name now. But, Nash. Uh, Nash. Megan Nash. A former Sugar Bear, right? She played at UCA. Yeah. Uh, and so, right, you, you're looking at that and you're like, All right, that's going to be kind of hard. But even then, my best partner options are in L.A. Uh, and then also, you know, staying in school helps kind of extend that, uh, that clock that you were just talking about, right? The OPT clock, and the visa clock, and, um, uh, I mean, I think you really are the inspiration for why April Ross is currently getting her master's at Concordia Irvine. So I think yes. that that's, that's a real legacy, Jay, to, to hold on to and, and to kind of go with.
1: Um, when she posted that, then, that was the joke. It was, you know, hey, she copied me, like, for sure. Come on, she
2: That's did. Not- uh, I I have it on good authority that she copied you. So, um, no, but you go out and you get that, this masters, right. But you keep putting yourself in a position to find success, right. You keep kind of doing the thing that I think is the coolest, which is just asking, uh, you know, Chris Hanneman's mm-hmm. setting up nets behind you, probably complaining about his back. I'm surprised you hadn't played fours with him before, uh, mm-hmm. before you'd actually set up nets with him because. Lord knows that that's where I see the Hannemans more often than not is catching some fours on 16th street. Uh, but you put yourself out there, right? And then in terms of like going back into college coaching, you put yourself out there and make that happen. What, what made you want to do it? What made you want to ask Christina? What made you want to ask Chris? Um, what made you want to ask these people to like, let you do this?
1: Yeah. It's um, a good question. I, when I first moved to Southern California as a player, the advice I got, which I'm so sorry, I cannot remember who told me this, but I'm sure it's multiple people. Um, <laughs> I was trying to you know, meet people to get into you know, playing groups, training groups, all that. And someone gave me the advice. They're like, the best thing you can do is just be a yes man. Be like, I can block, I can defend, I can play left side, I can play right side, I can bring all the gear, I can drive an hour, I can do any time of day, which... I acknowledge I had a luxury and that my grad school was online or in the evening. So I truly could do that. Um, But as a player, I think that's the kind of initiative I took when I was in Southern California. So in terms of my coaching, I kind of adopted the same strategy and just, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll show up whatever time you need. You need me coaching men, women, this age, that age, whatever, like I'm in, let's do it. And it's, You know, as someone with, like, maybe limited experience compared to others, which I feel like I, at the end of the day, built a really strong indoor resume, Um, but clearly my beach resume wasn't there. It's a funny story, Team Alberta, so that's like our provincial organization in the province I'm from in Canada, Um, right before I got the Stetson job, I applied to be the U16 Beach Provincial Team Coach. And they gave me a fat no, <laughs> and said I'm not qualified. I don't have enough experience. Blah blah blah. Um, but you know, those other colleges that offered me a job, and then obviously Christina and Stetson clearly didn't feel that way. Um, you know, maybe on paper I I didn't have that like pedigree or that experience that others had, but I think I just kept putting myself in myself in situation. I wasn't afraid of being told no. Um, It's definitely something I've tried to instill in my players the last couple of years is whenever they're stressed or worried about something, I'd be like, tell me the best case scenario and tell me the worst case scenario. And usually the worst case scenario was losing a point, losing a game, you know, whatever that case is. And I was like, would would that be okay? Like, could we, could we get through it if our worst case scenario happens? And they'd always say, yeah. Then I kind of try and (laughs) live my life by that, I guess. While I was at Stetson, I got them to verbalize that at one practice um, what their worst and best case scenario was for the weekend. And the answers were, I encourage you guys to do with your teams. The answers were a little all over the place, but it was it was quite eye opening to see. And I feel like I learned a lot from hearing the responses to that. Do you have a player that from your time coaching at
0: Stetson that kind of impacted your coaching career the most or have a a story that maybe shifted your your mindset from whatever you were on to oh there is another pitcher just kind of like what you're doing with these athletes and telling them what's the worst case scenario
1: yeah um for sure I mean when I got to Stetson in spring of 22 um or for that spring 22 season I should say I it was my first like Full-time salary job. I just moved across the country. You know, we're kind of rolling the dice of if I'm going to be able to get a work visa to stay in the country. I think there were a lot of factors there. It was my first college coaching job. I had a lot to learn. And I think if you ask, you know, any of my former sets and players, um, they would tell you that the coach I was in spring '22 and then the coach that I was in my like last few months with them were two different people. And I don't think I realized how much I had changed and evolved or I think if I did realize it I didn't know that it was noticeable to them um because I'm all about you know learning growth self-development and developing those around you and one player in particular who will know who she is if she's listening to this um I was driving her back from a medical appointment and she we were talking about, I can't even remember what, and I was like, yeah, you know, that first team, and we're kind of reminiscing, and she's like, it's so crazy to see how much you've changed as a coach in this time, and she's like, for the better, and um, that, I think, was everything to me, because I think we work so hard to change little things about ourselves and to be maybe more personable, more, like, understanding, to kind of elevate, you know, ourselves tactically, like, and, and what we're sharing with them, and, kind of having that like positive reinforcement of like, Hey, we, we see this and it makes a difference. Um, that was, that was everything to me. And then it's not a player, but a colleague who I, and he's, he's my mentor, who I probably owe like everything to, um, is Craig Marshall, big hey. shout out, big shout out. <laughs> um, he, it was a whim story, how he ended up at Stetson with me in um, spring of 22 but he was coaching a professional team in Denmark he was head coaching a pro team over there their season ended early April you know he's leaving cold Denmark to go back to his hometown in Vancouver which is also cold and rainy at the time and he's like yeah I don't know what I'm going to do for a few months and I was like you know would you be willing to fly to Florida instead um he's like wow well, what's up and I was like well we're allowed three coaches the at the time the second assistant couldn't be paid um I was like can't pay you, but you can uh, sleep on an air mattress in my living room and we can hang out all the time. And he slept on an air mattress in my living room for a month, um, from mid April to mid May. We always joke how he showed up right before conference championships to get that ring. Um, but I think I learned so much from him then. And then he, we were lucky enough that he came back in fall 22. And then again in spring 23. Um, but he's been such a, a mentor and like a I think an inspiration to me and we're such volley nerds we we go back and forth all the time about different things we see um but it was pretty cool because we got to kind of we got to coach alongside each other but he was my first beach coach um and when me and this partner who played at Arizona State Whitney Follett when we were kind of doing our western Canada tour I reached out to him because I knew he was from BC. He'd played a little bit of beach. And I was like, look, we can't pay you much. <laughs> we probably can't pay you at all. Um, but let me know if I can like, you know, buy you lunch or dinner here and there and you would be willing to coach us a bit. And not only did he coach us at times during that summer, he, we've you know, got someone to donate air miles to us. So he flew with me to Norseka Trials um, when I went to Canadian Trials for that and just like supported me all the way there. And he's like, all I ask is that you like give back to someone else one day like this. Um So to go from that to having him on an air mattress in my living room and getting to coach alongside him at the NCAA championships was it was a pretty surreal experience. Um, and he definitely, I think at, at times where I've like doubted myself or kind of had some imposter syndrome creep in, he's really kind of reassured me that this is the path I meant to be on. And, and yeah, guided me through that. Yeah. Shout out to Craig.
0: That, that imposter syndrome, it's come up a couple of times on the show. Most with Katie leak was the first time that we really dove deep into it. And, uh, it, it's something that I think every coach kind of goes through. Even just here in this podcast, I met Colin and I, you and I, you and Colin. We're gonna coach different ways. We're gonna we're gonna have different values for our teams. We're gonna see different things, Um, and that is what I see is very special about NCAA volleyball. But NCAA volleyball coaching is very hard because you see all these other coaches doing big successful things, and you're like, "Wow, I really shouldn't be here." But if you're making that impact that your your coach had on you, I I think you're doing the right thing, and so that that's that's what we kind of talk about of giving back and making sure that you're you're feeling what you want to feel out of coaching and you're getting to the the student athletes that you're trying to help. Um, but from what I've heard, you do a great job. Um, we've never met in person, <laughs> but I, I I'm a big fan of yours. Um, you guys had two very successful seasons while you were at Stetson. Talk about those championship runs, those long conference tournaments that you guys have out there and then being able to make it to that NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, Stetson's kind of, they've dominated the ASUN conference for the last couple of years. And then, then they get to the NCAA tournament and like in 23 TCU knocked us out in the first round. Um, And then I think a moment that'll stick with me for a long time was we lost to UCLA in spring 2022 and it came down to our twos court. The duel was two, two. We were up in the third set on the twos. Um, It slipped away. I think we lost 15, 13. Um, But that was a pretty, I think, transformative moment for the program. Um, I think as well, that alongside like, you know, my team's moment when we beat SC in 2019, like we're kind of big moments, not just for the program, but for the sport of, you know, this is possible and, you know, we can do this. Um, and, you know, I'll forever as a proud one root for Stetson. And then I'll also forever root for East Coast schools. And I'm still ready for the East to win <laughs> their, their first NCAA title. Um, but yeah, those, those moments were pretty cool. And I think, you know the coolest part of that moment was there was two that two seed was two phenomenal defenders, um, one Brazilian, one Latvian, and they, you know, could have played with whatever blocker and just dominated. But something about the two of them together just worked. These two five seven defenders slip blocking at the twos, um, and kind of you know carrying the team throughout that year was pretty neat. And then to see, I think it it's um, it's kind of poetic in a way these two small defenders are the ones who the match comes down to and it's like they're at the two seat on the biggest stage and like showing that they can do it and go point for point and yeah I think proving to themselves and to the program and to the east coast and to to everyone that you know I think our sport's not becoming so top heavy anymore that everyone's kind of elevating all around um and that's really cool to see and it's it's great for the sport it's great for Current and future student-athletes, so
2: it's a win for everyone. Jay, you take all of this excellent expertise uh, from a two-year run at, at Stetson, right? You guys went back-to-back NCAA tournaments. You played an NCAA tournament. i uh, been on the team there, and and now you're taking on this new challenge of building a program, right? What is the most unique part of that for you right now? I mean, literally from scratch. Are you guys practicing right now? Like, do you have you have athletes on campus, right?
1: No, we do. We have zero athletes on campus right zero now. Athletes. Um, yeah. yeah. So, what do you do all day? <laughs> um, besides, you know, record podcasts with you guys. Well, <laughs> um, No, it's it's so cool. So we're um, the fall 24, spring 25 season. We'll have some student athletes on campus, and those student athletes will play the full non-championship so fall season, and but we'll redshirt, so they'll maintain their eligibility. And then fall 25, spring 26 is the inaugural year of the program. Um, it is so cool, so different. Um, day-to-day life is definitely very different than it probably looks for you guys now as we get into late January <laughs> versus how it looks for Pre and I. Um, but I am, I'm so, so thankful that Pre gave me that call and that, you know, she wanted me to come on board with her and build this program. Um, it's it's a challenge for sure. I mean, there's it. When I came into the assistant role at Stetson, um, it was they'd kind of maintained their high level for a significant number of years, right? They'd always been ranked. They're always competing for an ASUN title in there. And Pri and I get to start from ground zero and and really build and put our own stamp on this program and kind of you know decide what our team culture looks like, decide, you know, just everything from de- designing our facility to to every little bit and piece that you don't realize goes into running a beach program. I think it's a lot of those little things that occupy our day-to-day and then also recruiting. Um, obviously we have to be so intentional with recruiting um, because we're building from the ground up, but I'm excited. It's been phenomenal so far. Um, and yeah, you get to see me in kind of new, but kind of the same colors.
2: Same colors. Yeah. That, that's the running joke with Jaina is uh she, she wouldn't tell me where she was going. Uh, yeah. And then there's something, something came up about the color, the color scheme being the same. And uh, we were able oh, to yeah. put two and two together and come up with that. She was going to South Florida. Anyway, so, so that's the running joke.
1: No, I'm, I'm so excited. And I think it's for a while now it's, um, been that, you know, Southern California is the, the mecca of beach volleyball in this country. And I, I would say Tampa, St. Pete, is the, it's a close second, in my opinion. Um, so I think it's been long overdue to have, you know, a strong division one program in that area that can really make, you know, put, put our mark on the sport. I mean, Texas adding a program is, was huge for the sport. Um, they're obviously like a dynasty in terms of NCAA sports, um, but I don't think we're too far behind that. Um, you know, USF performs so well in the American Athletic Conference. And we're really looking to come out strong like they are. And I hope that, you know, those big schools like Texas and South Florida adding just only lead to more programs adding across the country, which is I think a goal we all have or something we would all like to see.
0: So you talked about the schematics of what it means to build a program of playing in the fall of 2024. And then going into 2025-26 and having that be your initial inaugural season. But what does it look like on the other side of things with the team culture that you said you get to build from the ground up? What is pre doing there and and what what does this school have to offer beach volleyball that other schools don't?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. So I mean, Pries had a wealth of experience building Optimum Beach, her club, um, from the ground up and really establishing a culture there. And I think a lot of that experience that she's gained from that, she's, you know, she's bringing to Bulls Beach and we're going to grow that together. And I think in terms of recruiting, um, obviously there's not that senior leadership that is going to be there for each new freshman class. So I think the transfers we recruit, we're going to be really intentional with, and as well as all the freshmen, um, not just can you play volleyball at this level and then mold to our, our culture or what we see, but what are you looking to form um, or what are you looking for in your team's culture? How will you contribute to that? Will you be a good fit? Um, and those are the kind of recruits I think we're really going after as well. Um, but it's it's pretty cool. I mean, pretty such a collaborator and to be able to like put our stamp on this program and we will forever be the first coaches of this program. I will forever be the first assistant coach of USF Beach Volleyball. Um, so it's pretty cool to think that I'll be part of that legacy in just just a year and a half. Um, and that she's you know welcomed me, me into it with open arms.
2: Right, so we don't know exactly what the program looks like, but what should we be expecting from South Florida next fall? What's the thing that the Bulls are going to bring to the table.
1: Um, man, what you're expecting next fall. Well, we're hoping to be incredibly competitive and I expect us to be incredibly competitive throughout all the fall events. But I mean, fall's really a time of, I feel like experimenting for a lot of programs, experimenting with pairs. Obviously you're trying to earn a bid to the ABC pairs championship. Um, so just like everyone else is going to be, you know, experimenting with things, I think we are too. I think the, the bigger question is probably, what are you expecting from us in spring 26? And Colin, you should be scared to schedule us. Let me put it that way.
2: I texted Pre today asking if she would come to a tournament in 2026. I am, my new mission in life, right? I just want you guys to know, right, when this episode comes out, I will be unemployed. Um, and I think people will know that at the time of the release, but <laughs> um, I want everybody to know when I do get a school email, I will be sending out a scheduling for 2025 email and I hope everybody's buckled in ready to be done before June. All right. Cause that's, that's what, what I'm shooting for. That's my mission in the sport of each volleyball.
1: Well, that's for everyone listening, which is probably just my mom. So hi mom. Um, but that's how Colin convinced me to come on the podcast was he wouldn't tell me what his new colors would be, even though I told him my new colors. No, He's no,
2: no. Like- you accidentally, you accidentally said
1: accidentally yeah. purposely potato potato mm. you know uh-huh. um, but he was like if you come on the podcast i'll I'll tell you i'll tell you right before we record um so that's how i got conned into this
2: yeah and and she knows now i want to note it i'm a man of my word she's aware uh you guys will not be aware or well you might know but um, i don't think anybody will really truly be able to say for sure until uh the week after this episode comes out
1: okay okay
2: so we might good. do it might do a little. Yeah, that might be a little Easter egg
0: Ooh, I like it got a little special episode oh. coming up that hopefully Jay's mom listens to because obviously she's the only one that listens to us um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, it just meant my episode in particular, okay. you know okay. I'm. Sure the rest of them are exploding with views this one. It's probably probably just my mom <laughs> No, that's good And you've been around the NCAA game now
0: for quite a while, and you've played in it, you're now coaching in it, and now you're building a brand new program. What would you like to see next, other than the growth of the sport and more schools adding, what would you like to see next out of the NCAA beach volleyball game?
1: So as an avid listener of this podcast, alongside my mom and millions of others, um, I knew this question was coming. And it, it left me, I, I thought about it for a while. I was like, dang, that's a good question. Um, what do I want? And the more I kind of like sat and thought about it, I mean, there's, there's two answers. And I think the easy one is um, probably an expanded season. I think we can go a little deeper in May. Um, and I know there's been brief talks about this, but currently the Beach volleyball National Championship is at the same time as the Men's National Championship. And for volleyball fans, I just don't think that's a great idea um, because I'm sure there's lots who would love to attend both or would love to watch both. Um, but I also think we can utilize, you know, the month of May a little bit more and see the season expand. Um, so that's my first request. If I get to, you know, wish for anything during this segment. Okay, great. Send it to um,
2: Beth Van Fleet. She's our rep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, You know, the thing I would like to see more, and I I acknowledge that this is a big wish that I, I, and I've heard all the arguments for why it will never come true, but I'll throw it out there anyways. Um, Indoor volleyball has 12 scholarships. If you, you know, subs exist, I acknowledge this, but realistically they start seven players. Um, Men's soccer has 9.9 scholarships. They realistically start 11 players, even though they're subs. So again, it's almost your entire lineup. Women's soccer is 14 scholarships. Women's tennis has eight and six start or play, I believe. Um,
2: How about women's basketball? 15 scholarships. 15 scholarships. There's usually 12 on a roster. There's many a university that is not utilizing their full allotment of women's basketball scholarships.
1: For sure. Um, And I think beach volleyball, we have six scholarships if you're fully funded program. Um, but we have, you know, we can argue for the smaller number, we can say that we have 10 who who play and start. Um, so I really think that, you know, as the sport continues to grow, expanding that to kind of reflect other NCAA sports and seeing the number of scholarships per program that you can give out increased, I think it would be would be a great idea. And I think would reward the student athletes and make for you know, a, a better, more opportunities for them, which is better for our, better for everyone, better for the sport.
2: Jay, do you want some good slash bad news? I don't know. Can we start with the oh, bad? God. So the bad news is that our season is not getting extended. I know. But do you know the good news?
1: I don't know. I don't know if I and know.
2: Starting in 2025, they are moving the
1: men's championship back a week.
2: So we will no longer compete for championship dates um,
1: I, was that the same meeting as you so i i do know that part
2: <laughs> one of us took better notes apparently than the uh, than the other oh, okay but right, i think it's a i think it's a positive step in that direction i mean the argument will still be made right hey men's volleyball starts december 31st right and collegiate beach volleyball starts february 23rd and right? so we're already two months behind and they're getting an extra week right but at least from a viewership and a fan standpoint, right? It, this doesn't cost us any extra money, right? There's no pitching ADs. Hey, by the way, I need another two weeks of uh, housing for my student athletes, right? There's, you don't have to pitch any of that, but we can at least get um, we at least get that viewership and that support from the NCAA and also from the ABCA, right, who can now, instead of dividing their force between two different places, can actually be at bowl championships and, and be supporting bowl championships uh, and inevitably, right, if we do the thing that we're all hoping for, right, where the sport continues to grow, we keep adding conferences uh, we keep adding bids at some point, you can't play, you know, 64 matches in a weekend, so so we'll have to expand our championship it's it's just a there will just be a carrying capacity that we'll run into, um, and so I think we can keep kind of chugging along on the taking the little victories, right, the little The good little things
1: that are coming our way. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, and again, big big out there wishes, but your question, my answers. I think you have some men's
0: volleyball coaches too that can jump right on board with that scholarship train as men's Mm -hmm. volleyball only gets four and a half. So they're starting the same as a women's volleyball team, but you know, it's a third of the size of scholarships. But Jay, it's been great talking to you. Really appreciate you being here. Um, good luck with your recruiting and building your program and hopefully we see you next fall. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoyed getting to talk to you tonight.
2: Yeah, thank, thank you Jay. You
1: guys so much for having me.